Hello and welcome to Front Page Radio with your host, international author, broadcaster, and journalist Dan Wooding, the founder of Assist Ministries and the Assist News Service. Dan, who was born in Nigeria of British missionary parents, was raised in England and later worked for some of Great Britain's largest newspapers. He has been a journalist covering the world for some 47 years now with a focus on persecuted Christians and missions. And now, here's Dan Wooding with today's guest. Welcome to today's program, and I am in a lovely village in Cheshire, England. It's called Tarpoli, with a very unusual gentleman whose name is Jody Wainwright. Now, Jody has been involved in a company called Boodles. <laughs> what a great name. And for those of you who love jewelry, uh, they are probably one of the world's most famous companies. So, first of all, Jody, thank you for being on the program. Thank you very much, Dan. Lovely to be uh, with you this morning. Thank you. Now, tell us about Boodles. Where was it started? When was it started? And how did you get involved? Well, uh, we are a family business. The name Boodles was two men, Boodle and Dunthorne, uh, two gentlemen who passed it over uh, a short version of the story because it goes back 220 years this year, by the way, that we are uh, celebrating our company. We took over from Mr. Boodle and Mr. Dunthorne, and we were jewelers before that. So in my family of Wainwrights, we reached back six generations, and we've been with the Boodles or taken over the Boodles uh, brand and story for over 100 years of that time. And the, 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 you have stores in London. Where about in London? Yeah, well, we started in Liverpool, 1798, and uh, when Liverpool was one of the major ports of the world. From there, we moved to Chester and then Manchester. In fact, my grandfather lost his brother, his older brother, and his father within two weeks uh, in a, back in 1944. And his, he was called back from Burma, where he was fighting against the Japanese, um, a very hard life, to run the business so uh, he came back, got it going again, as it were, and then opened up in Chester, Manchester. And we now have five shops in addition in London with our flagship on Bond Street. And also, let's not forget Dublin. We are, I, I went out there myself in 2006 to kickstart a new venture overseas, which <laughs> it just about is in Ireland. So, so the, the work you do, what is your particular role in the company well, there's four of us in the business. My father, uh, who's chairman, my uncle, his younger brother by 10 years is MD, and then James and I, cousins, are directors. And my role, 60% of what I do is buying the gemstones, which is um, my main role in the business. So I buy all of our diamonds, all of our sapphires, rubies, emeralds, the gems that go into the designs that we, that we do in-house. So, I mean, how do you choose, how do you know which is a good diamond and which isn't? <laughs> well, uh, you, once you've seen a lot, they're all lovely, aren't they, of course? And you think, oh, gosh, diamonds, aren't they pretty? Or sapphires, aren't they lovely? When you, so for the first second, they're all lovely. Then for two seconds of you, are still gasping. <laughs> I, I think that might have Boodle's name on it. So for me, I see lots and lots of stones. Yeah. Um, and I probably don't now find all of them as exciting as the ones that we then end up yeah. taking, which are the ones that are special. Yeah. Now, some years ago, um, you went through a period of wanting to serve the Lord. 
and you joined Youth with a Mission, and I believe you moved to Kona in Hawaii to the University of the Nations. What happened there? And tell us a little bit about your time with YWAM. Yeah, well, I'm 41 years of age. I became a Christian when I was 19, which was a little out of the blue in our family. Um, I then worked in the church, by the way, for four or five years. Went to Bible school in London for two years. Which, which school was that? It was the International Bible Institute of London, which was Kensington Temple, Elim, oh, okay. Elim Church. Um, then I joined the family business and fast forward seven, six, seven years within the family business to 2009. I went off, as you say, to, with my wife, three young children, aged, I think, five, four and one to do a DTS, Discipleship Training School, um, with YWAM in Hawaii, to which everybody said, sounds lovely, sounds like a holiday. I can tell you <laughs> it was not a holiday. It was extremely full on. Um, the truth is, we came out of that six or seven year period in the business, and two years prior to the DTS, we were in Ireland. As I mentioned, we opened the shop in Dublin. And that was a terrific time for business, but it was quite testing on our marriage. Mm. I wouldn't say it was sort of a level nine or ten, but we were not in the healthiest of places outside of our support network, new church, which was terrific, by the way, uh, in Ireland. But we weren't, I would say I was distracted by business, finding my identity too much within that. And my wife had three young children uh, at home, as it were. So, you know, it was putting a bit of a rift between us. And so we decided, I decided particularly, let's take time out, reassess and do this DTS with a friend of ours, Michael Green, whose father is heads up YWAM in the UK. So he taught me into going and we uh, were there for three months in Kona, then two months in Samoa in a hut in the middle of nowhere <laughs> with the Samoan base and working working in all sorts of capacities for the Lord as missionaries. But those first three months were the training, the school, the learning, fantastic speakers. And I, Dan, had the first six weeks pulling my hair out, wondering where my faith, not where it had gone because it wasn't failing me, but wondering how I had become so angry, actually was the word. And the Lord got a hold of this this anger. And if I'm, um, if I'm frank, I was struggling with anger, feeling pent up, frustrated, didn't take much to push me over the edge, right the way back through my childhood. What was the cause of that, do you think? Do you know, I've done an awful lot of work, a lot of prayer, um, assessing it. I think some of it is, some of it is boarding school, um, where I went at the age of eight or nine. And I think that's too young to be away from mum, particularly, mum and dad. And I had a lovely family, terrific upbringing. Was it like a feeling of rejection in a way? I think it was a feeling of, a feeling of rejection, mm. knowing I wasn't rejected, but you still, um, and in your head, you know, you're not being rejected because your parents love you and that it was the best of a difficult situation, by the way. I was at a school that closed down for, for, for other reasons. And everybody seemed to go off to this super school, inverted commas, which happened to be boarding school. So it catalyzed uh, the move into boarding a few years sooner than it probably would have happened. I think at 13, I'd have gone to a boarding school anyway. Yeah, so some rejection, abandonment, mother separation stuff, um, just a feeling of being on your own a little bit. 
and how do you manifest at a young age your your sadness, your disappointment? I think you know you bottle it up, but it doesn't bottle very nicely, and it tends to spill out sideways with with a bit of anger. So for me, in the marriage, um, praise God that it didn't become a physical problem, but it was verbally abusive, really, to my wife, who is just so gorgeous. Uh, in, in subtle ways at times and then more obvious ways at other times, but just having a niggle and being frustrated at the core, dissatisfied with life um, and who I was in the process of all of that. I'm a Christian. I do love the Lord. He's turned my life around. It was such a dramatic conversion and working in the church was terrific. How can I, 10 years later, as it was at the time, be struggling with something still so fundamental as anger? And so there we were in Kona and listening to fabulous speakers each week. And one particular Sunday we went off, so it's quite intense, but the weekends you are a little more free time. And we went off with a lovely pastor who took us to a nice beach, gave us an authentic Hawaiian experience. (laughs) And I remember everything was idyllic. It was a beautiful day. It was a lovely place. We were there serving the Lord. And yet I was still dissatisfied inside and things were pressing my buttons. And by the way, living with wafer-thin walls when your one-year-old's up all night keeping the the lovely pastor from Korea awake who was next door. And, you know, you feel it's stressful. It was a pressure cooker. And we had a prophetic word in Ireland before we left saying the Lord is going to bless you on this time it's going to be a pressure cooker the the refiner's fire Um, and so we went thinking well that sounds terrific I hope that doesn't happen and of course it did happen (laughs) and I was on this particular day at the beach Um, Kirsty and I went for a walk and I was just a bit vile is the best way to put it verbally and I then stopped and said what am I doing how have we got to this I'm so sorry I need to get this sorted we need to go and see the lovely couple running the course who were in their 70s mm-hmm. she was a very prophetic woman is um, Joe Dawson? Donna Jordan Donna Jordan Donna okay. and Peter Jordan lovely couple who are ministering I believe in Canada now uh, 10 years nearly down the line and so I went to see them with Kirsty. I said, I've got a problem. Oh, okay, Jody, what's the problem? I said, well, it's a bit awkward really to talk now, but I mean, could we meet? Yeah, but just give us a head start. What, yeah. what are we roughly, and I said, anger. Okay, well, let's meet tomorrow. So then I had 24 hours sort of seeing them around the campus thinking, you know, they're wondering, am I, you know, how extreme is this guy's problem? Of course, they were very godly, not thinking anything of the sort, but we met the next day and with Kirsty, Peter and Donna and Donna says Jody tell me what what's what's going on I we sort of closed in on without it becoming horrendously uncomfortable until Donna said Jody what sort of things if it's verbally abusing uh, abusive language that you're using with your lovely wife what sort of things are you saying and I just felt like I wanted to dig a hole and cry in it and cover it up she was really exposing and everything's going to be revealed and everything is revealed before the Lord, isn't it, of course? It was like that moment on earth where I was laid bare, not just before Donna and Peter and my wife, having to confess quite specifically the sorts of things I've been saying. But I've had a sense of God's presence in that moment of repentance. Kirsty crying. Um, and he... Then Peter said, Jody, I feel that the, you need to do some warfare here. Um, I don't think it's a deliverance issue in this case. 
And I was game on for anything at that point. I was slightly thinking, gosh, Lord, if I need deliverance after 10 years of being a Christian, it's, you know, it's a bit humiliating, but whatever. This is a serious problem. I'm, I'm, I'm open to whatever this needs to, to sort it out. And Peter gently came back, as, by the way, the not quite so prophetic, in my opinion, mm. uh, part of the, the marriage. Donna would speak on listening to the voice of God. So it's interesting he had the word to do warfare. And he continued that Satan has studied your Achilles mm. heel. He knows how to trip you up. He knows how to press your buttons. You've got a responsibility how you react, but he's pushing you more than is fair and, and, and acceptable as a Christian. And you have authority, Jody, to, to push him back and counter that, you know, so that you're not too far down the line of being tripped up uh, before you're having to try and control yourself. So I would then get up in the morning with my one-year-old, put her in the backpack thing, and I'd walk up at 5 a.m. to the football pitches. And I remember, I only did it for about two weeks, something broke at the end of those two weeks. In fact, if I'm honest, I felt it breaking within day one and two. Mm. I stood Satan in the face, as it were, and I just declared who I am in Christ, that he has no power over me. And there was one particular moment, if anybody was watching, they, even as a Pentecostal Christian, they'd have thought I'd lost the plot, <laughs> where I remember feeling like I was just breaking through. And it was then, you know, those moments in prayer where you're almost distracted. Or, and I felt like, you know, I was doing business with the Lord against the enemy. And the enemy sort of slipped away. I couldn't, didn't have a grip on him, as it, as it were, in this prayer session. I remember screaming, Satan, come back. I have not finished with you. <laughs> you know, I am a man of God. I'm loved. You have no authority. Quoting scriptures at him. And with my daughter on the back, who just, I guess, you know, treated it at the age of one as this is what dad does. But something broke. And that is 2009. And it's not as if I haven't had moments where I've been cross, but I am a totally different person. The Lord has mm. broken that pent-up feeling that I would constantly go around with. I have peace. And how did your wife respond to this new Jody? She didn't believe it for about three months. And it was in... She was seeing it, and the Lord was working it out. But I think, as with a lot of things, God just can break things, and there is change. You know, I don't think it needs to be years and years of change. There can be years where we don't ex allow the change, or the change, for whatever reason, doesn't come. Yeah. But I believe the change came very quickly there. I was a different person. She would have seen that, but what she says when we talk about this story, and she's very open on her side, which is that this happened maybe in January of 2009, uh, in the second week, perhaps. Fast forward the three months where we leave Hawaii and we go off to Samoa. Mm -hmm. And it was in around April time where we were um, doing the prayers. And there was one morning where Kirsty was feeling too low, which is very unlike her. She was then coming under her own cloud, strangely enough. So I seem to have come out of one and she moved into underneath the cloud. Um, and so she didn't come to the prayer meeting, which I was heading up with the rest of our team and it was then she was sweeping the floor in our Samoan Folly which is these these huts without <laughs> walls and the water kept coming in so there she was sweeping the floor and she was praying in a half in an intense way I guess but a meaningful way but feeling a little low she said Lord I just can't go back to the business where I know it's going to be different it's been great for two or three months but honestly you know, we go back to the busy life, the work, the customers, the whole thing, the pressure that Jody has, and we're just going to be back where we are. And the Lord spoke to her in her heart and said, I want you to go back and see the difference. 
and so it was at that moment that she had the call of God to come back to mm-hmm. the business and you know which is what we did we're speaking with Jody Wainwright who is uh, a director of Boodles one of the number one jewellery companies in Great Britain and uh, also I believe in Ireland but some years ago Jody I interviewed a singer called Cliff Richard who very well known here and there's Sir Cliff Richard and he went to Bangladesh um, with a group called Tear Fund and was so shocked with the poverty that he decided he was going to give up his singing career and become a full-time missionary and never go back to singing again and a lot of his friends said look Cliff you're in a position where you've well known you're earning quite a lot of money and uh, you should stay in the business and then support missions and missionaries rather than try and become one yourself did you go through a similar struggle of wanting to leave the business and go full-time as a missionary i did and i'm glad there's a very interesting question because again it relates back to something that happened in hawaii we i did not want to leave actually in 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 my heart of hearts, but I didn't want to be where I was in terms of dissatisfied and how's the Lord using me. So we went off to this Hawaii thing. A very amazing thing happened after or two. One I've just told you about with the Lord getting a hold of that anger issue. The other was a chap called Dan Sneed, who I'm sure people listening to this will know. He's a wonderful man in America, pastor in America who had spoken at Bible school for a week on who, I, who you are in Christ, I think, was his, um, was his message. And so when he came, I thought, gosh, Kirsty, I recognize the name of this speaker. And this was back at the same sort of time in, that, in January or February of our time in Hawaii. It must have been February because I had got to a place where I had l- been so convinced the Lord was going to do something different with the future of our lives that it probably meant no longer in Boodle's. That was where we got to. So I'd laid it down, a little bit like an Isaac story. I'd sort of laid it down, having loved it, but um, to the point that, you know, we're, we're moving forward. And so then Dan Sneed comes to speak to us. And, and by the way, my father flew out to Hawaii. It's a long way from England for mm-hmm. two days at my birthday, February the 22nd. And he asked me almost straight away, Jody, will you come back to the business? I think he was getting a sense that maybe things mm-hmm. were different from emails that I've been sending. And I tried to be quite guarded not to bring him into where the decision process, but he realized there was actually a decision process. It wasn't just a, a, a sort of a sabbatical. And I said, Dad, I, you're asking me a very direct question. I'm not sure I can answer that, to which he, Paul Chat, went back thinking crumbs. I might, after having had my son in the business for seven years, you know, he may no longer stay. So there we go. Dan Sneed, he comes to speak. I said to Kirsty, I recognize that name, don't you? And she said, yeah. As soon as he got up to speak, I recognized him. Ah, there he is, the man from Bible school 10 years ago. That's who he is. And so in the break, I went up and I said, Dan, you won't remember me, but um, I was at Bible school in 1996 or 7, and, um, you know, Colin Dye, the pastor of the church. Oh, Colin, we're still great friends. Yes, I remember speaking. In fact, I still go back. And I said, oh, terrific. That was all we said. I didn't really get into I'm in business. The next morning, I don't think I saw him again around the campus. It's a big setup. The next morning in the worship, halfway through the worship, uh, Dan stands up and says, now, where's the English chap I saw? And his wife must be here. Could you stand up, please? And so I thought, well, it was probably me. There's no other English on our course, 120 on our particular course. So he stood up. He said, yes, you. I didn't sleep last night. 
because the Lord had you in my mind and he told me to say that you are at a crossroads. Yeah. Be very careful about the next step. And Kirsty took that as a, oh, that means we're going on to something else. We're not carrying on with boodles. And I actually thought, well, no, we've almost decided in our hearts, much as we don't know what the next step is, that it's probably not boodles. And at, th- at this stage, he's saying, be careful about the next steps. So perhaps having committed to doing something different, maybe we're not meant to be doing something different. Kirsty wasn't ready to hear that, but I was ready to hear that. So I just held that in my heart. I then had a coffee with him that afternoon, and it was a bit like Paul. He was saying, he would prophesy, then he would say, now this is me speaking, and then this is what the Lord's saying, now this is my view. And I had just this wonderful time of being mentored and counseled. And I realized then, actually, the Lord has got more for us in Boodles. Um, Don't run away, which in a godly way, I realized actually, you know, probably it was what we were doing. We were running away, or it seemed godly, but it wasn't godly. (laughs) What a story. Well, now you're full-time back with Boodles, and I know you have support different uh, mission groups and uh, charities and that. But do you have any celebrities that have used boodles that you could talk about we have to be a bit careful it's so boring isn't it saying yes but i can't tell you <laughs> uh we need to be careful to pro- to protect them in this day and age but we've had some we've had some um very interesting people i mean the beckhams who are now in la yeah um, david and, and uh victoria. victoria beckham they bought their engagement ring that was a very long time ago by the way but they bought the engagement ring from us that is out there, so we can talk about that. But I, there are lots of others. I mean, Emma Thompson is, um, you know, famous uh, actor, actress. actress, excuse yeah. me, and she is very kind to us, very visible, um, almost an ambassador in some ways, the way yeah. she's so kind to, to talk about us. But she's also a customer. Uh, and we do have many others, but uh, I have to keep my... Uh, <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> to be boring, I'm afraid. And as we come near the end of this, there are people listening to this, I'm sure, that are dealing with anger issues like you did. What could you share with them that maybe could help them? Number one, number one, two, three, four, and as far as you can go is that God loves you and he will never stop loving you. Uh, and his love for you doesn't hinge upon how good or bad you feel about yourself because you fluffed it. So when you do fluff it and you've had a bad moment, I think that's the moment right after we've sinned to come before God. Better not to sin, of course. But while we're dealing with these things, Christ identifies with us. It's because we need him that he came. You know, the doctor for the sick, not for the well. He came to help us. And I think as Christians... There's a lot of pressure to be sorted because we've been saved. But don't forget that soteriology is the ongoing process of being saved. God wants us to be saved and to go to heaven, but he wants us to go on being saved and he's working on us. So don't give up on yourself. Take it seriously, though. Um, and I think if I hadn't taken it so seriously that day, which, okay, meant getting up at 5 a.m., well, a lot of us would say, God, I'd do that to sort my addiction out. I'd do that to sort my problem. I'd do that to get rid of anger. We'll perhaps do it then as a, as a mark before the Lord. So we've got to take it seriously, our sin. Mm. Um, you know, let's not forget it put Christ on the cross. So it's a very serious matter. But at the same time as that, it's Jesus who died for you, so don't go and kill yourself over it. Um, he loves you. He is there for you, and he does have the power. I'd given up on trying to sort this one out. Uh, but God, in his power, 
comes through. So knock on that door and don't stop knocking. And at times, perhaps just just push that door a little harder than we have done to get freedom. It's worth everything. It's lovely to be free. Would you still be married if you hadn't have gone through that experience? I think we'd be struggling. We might be we might be married, but I don't think we'd have a lovely marriage, which is what we've got. Finally, is there is there one verse in the Bible that has really been your sort of model over these last few years? I love Psalm one thirty nine. It's uh, very sadly probably the only uh, chapter of the Bible that I've memorized backwards back to front and this way and that I love it I love the fact that the Lord has searched us he's interested in us he knows us and he's hemmed us in you know those times where we're getting it wrong we're feeling on our own or we've lost our way or we're in a new church and we don't fit in or there's a bereavement he hems us in behind and before Mm. so ahead of us we're hemmed in behind us it's all hemmed in so we're we're knitted into Christ, and that for me, that whole chapter, where can we go from His presence, flee from His spirit? You know, we make our bed in the depths. If we rise on the wings of the dawn, even there, His hand will guide us. His right right hand will hold us fast. It's a it's a lovely chapter about the security of who we are in Christ. And if people want to know more about Boodles, where do they go? Well, I think in this day and age, you know, the internet. I don't want to be rude. You've heard the, the websites and things. <laughs> I'd go on. I'd go on boodles. dot com. Um, and how do you spell boodles? Uh, thank you for asking. It's b o o d l e s. So boodles. dot com. And if you're in London, you could go to was it Harrods and places like that. Absolutely, very friendly. We pride ourselves on great service, which means a big smile and everyone's welcome. So uh, in Harrods or Bond Street or Sloan Street, the Savoy Hotel, we are the only shop inside there or one over in the city. Well, I'd like to thank Jody, and uh, we're over at his lovely home in a place called Tarpoli. If you're ever in this area, it's very near Chester, I'd recommend you come. And um, I want to thank Jody so much for being on the program. Thank you so much. Lovely to be with you. You have been listening to Front Page Radio with international journalist Dan Wooding. If you would like a free subscription to the Assist News Service, log on to www.assistnews.net. And if you would like to write to Dan, send an email to assistnews at aol.com. Tune in again for another edition of Front Page Radio on this same station.